Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys achieve more success. We're glad you can listen today on the Legal Talk Network. I am your host, Christopher Anderson, and I'm an attorney with a singular passion for helping other lawyers to be more successful with their law firm businesses. My team at How to Manage a Small Law Firm and I work directly with lawyers across the country to help them achieve success as they define it. In the Unbillable Hour, each month we explore an area important to growing revenues, giving you back more of your time and or improving your professional satisfaction in one of the key areas of your business. I start with the fundamental premise that a law firm business exists primarily to provide for the financial, personal, and professional needs of you, its owner. In this program, I have a chance to speak to you, as I do in presentations across the country, about what it takes to build and operate your law firm like the business that it is. I have a chance to introduce you to a new guest each month to talk about how to make that business work for you instead of the other way around. But before we get started today, I do want to say a thank you to our sponsors, Answer One, Solo Practice University, and Scorpion. Answer One is a leading virtual receptionist and answering services provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800 800- Answer One, or online at www.answerone.com. That's www.answer, and then the number one, dot com. Solo Practice University is a great resource for solos no matter how long you have been practicing. Make sure you check out solopracticeuniversity.com and learn how to run your practice better. Scorpion crushes the standard for law firm online marketing with proven campaign strategies to get attorneys better cases from the internet. Partner with Scorpion to get an award-winning website and ROI-positive marketing programs today. Visit scorpionlegal.com slash podcast. Today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is mining your clients. One of the topics I cover is marketing, and marketing is the lifeblood of any business, and particularly of law firms, yet lawyers have many misconceptions about marketing and very many misuses of the very valuable things that they get out of marketing, which are, of course, leads. And today's guest is Michael Chasen. Michael is the president and CEO of Lexicata, uh, a firm that helps law firms to manage their leads from beginning all the way to becoming clients. And let me let Michael tell you a little bit more about that. So let's get started with mining your clients. Welcome, Michael. Hi. Thanks for having me, Christopher. First of all, I'm really bad with introductions, and I made it really brief. So if you don't mind, if you run a business called Lexicata, I think some of my listeners know about it, some of them don't. Would you just tell a little bit about what Lexicata does? Yeah, so essentially what we are is uh, the leader in the space when it comes to tracking your leads and managing your professional relationships. So um, a lot of people like to think about us as kind of like a pre-case management software. So those guys typically handle the time after a case is signed, right, actually managing the matter. Lexicata basically handles the part leading up to the case. So from the time you're first introduced to a client to the time that you actually retain them. So that entire process um, that can sometimes be years, sometimes be hours, sometimes weeks or days. We basically manage that process and help them streamline their uh, intake process. Right. Now we're we're recording this at the Clio Cloud Conference. Um, I've seen you at ABA Tech Show. I've seen you at lots of different conferences. 
And one thing we all we both see is when we go to these things, there's a lot of people selling marketing, right? Selling pay-per-click, selling social media, selling SEO, doing things to help people uh, get more leads. And lawyers are all excited about always getting more leads. But when we were talking about what we're going to talk, talk about today, we were discussing how really they're missing the point, right? And that they're, they're wasting these valuable resources that they get. So I wanted to start our conversation today about, about their pipeline, about, about what lawyers really should be doing with these incoming leads that, they're, that most of them aren't doing today. Yeah, I think you're 100% accurate. You know, most people really spend their time trying to bring in more clients. But the fact of the matter is, for most firms, based on referrals, marketing, word of mouth, whoever it may be, personal connections, most people really do have enough leads in their funnel. And we can talk about a little bit more what a funnel is. Uh, most people have enough leads in their funnel to build and grow a successful practice. The problem is most people do not have any kind of significant process and pace to manage these leads. So what ends up happening is they come in the door, they talk to the attorney, and then the attorney basically says, okay, if you want to hire me, come back. And it's pretty not sophisticated process to do that, right? If you were in any other industry, there's no way that you would survive as a business relying on that as your sales process. So um, one of the things that we really stress at Lexicata and just generally from a consultative point of view for our attorneys is Whatever it may be, using technology, using paper, using Excel, whatever system you want to use, create some sort of internal process for you, your employees, and your practice to basically understand what is happening once a lead comes in, what's going to happen, right? Is your process different if it's a client who does a consult versus doesn't do a consult, in person versus out of office? Um, most people just kind of fly by the seam of the pants. So I think having a process in place is the number one thing that most people do not have. Yeah, and, and I think you mentioned one thing. I, I even heard earlier today that one of the reasons, one of the biggest reasons that, that clients don't hire lawyers is they don't call them back ever. Uh, that was just uh, out, just unbelievable to me. But so, and then what you're talking about is they may call them back, they may speak to them once, but they have no procedure for follow up. How, how does how does a lawyer really correct for those two separate things? So I think honestly, what they have to do is do two things. One, they have to stop looking themselves solely as a lawyer and start thinking about themselves as a little bit of salespeople, right? Um, whether you're providing professional services to a client or not, you still have to sell the professional services. So a lot of people uh, miss that part, and they don't really understand that they have to look at things as salespeople. And then I think it's also just following up that, that follow-up procedure, understanding, you know, I had someone come by our booth um, a couple minutes ago. They said, I've been doing this for four years. I'm just starting to hit my growth phase. I, and they said, I, I need more leads or else your software isn't that valuable to me. I said, how many leads are you getting on a weekly basis? She said, literally 25 leads a week. And I said, you have literally probably five times more leads than you will ever need with you as like a couple lawyer firm. You need to figure out what you do. And I asked her what she does, and she literally exactly what you just said. She basically does a consultation and says, if they want to hire me, great. If not, they come back on their own. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, the Clio Cloud Conference, a really interesting study that I would encourage every single person to go look at if you just Google ABA study on client intake. It's really interesting. About a year ago, they did a really in-depth study where they basically did like fake intakes for you know, hundreds of firms around the country. And they found out that the average response time on an email or, or on a message through a website or a voicemail of the firm was three days. Wow. 
Three days it took someone. Imagine if you walked in an Apple store and said, I want to buy a computer today. And they said, I'll call you back in three days. What would you do? You'd go to Microsoft and buy a computer that day because it's just not worth it, right? So I think people really need to understand that the bar is set very low, pun intended. The bar is very low in the industry when it comes to sales. All you have to do is not suck and you'll be in good shape. Yeah, it's like, it's like you, know, you don't have to be the fastest deer in the herd. You just have to be faster than the slowest deer, right, <laughs> exactly. to not get eaten. And the, your analogy is actually, it's worse than your analogy because in your Apple store, they said we'll call you back in three days. In this case, the client doesn't know if they're going to get a call back at all. There's no promise. There's no guarantee. They're just not getting the call. So you know, here we had the leads, the pipeline, the not getting the calls back. Obviously, the solution there is to have a system to return calls, whether it's you, the lawyer, or someone else, but someone needs to be returning it. What's more troublesome, though, is what you were saying about the uh, lawyer who was meeting with people. And if they hired him, great. And if they didn't, they didn't. And maybe they'd come back. Maybe they wouldn't. Um, what can a lawyer, like, what is the system that a lawyer should follow when a client doesn't hire? So I think it kind of largely depends on practice area, right? If you're a transactional firm, then you can do, a, it can be a longer sales cycle. Like for, let me give you like two examples. Example number one would be like a criminal defense attorney, right? If you're, let's say, doing a DUI case and they, for most states, you have to file some sort of, you know, you know, injunction within the first 10 days to basically allow the, um, the person to uh, keep their license. And if they don't do that in the first 10 days, the DMV automatically suspends their license. So there's very much of a quick, like, oh, crud, I need to get this done immediately, right? So for a law firm that's doing DUI firm, um, if someone does in, comes in on day three of that time frame, they better yeah. attack hard over those next seven days. And once they pass the seven days, maybe they don't need to follow up so much. Right. Now, right. if you're doing an estate planning firm, most people are like a six to 12 month sales process for that, right? It takes a long time. And the person who came by the booth was actually an estate planning attorney, okay. right? And so for those types of people, what I recommend doing is first off, you know, acknowledging and knowing like what kind of practice area you're dealing with and what your typical sales cycle looks like. Is it a long or short sales right. cycle? If it's a long sales cycle, you have to also kind of consider like what do your clients want, right? Do they, you know, with the legal trends report, they were talking about like millennials and people under 35, like 60% right. of them want to be contacted via email or text. Whereas if you're over 50, like 80% of them wanted phone. So I think having understanding how you should be attacking the leads and in what manner. So I think the frequency of follow-up, I think, is is a big thing that people should focus on. Maybe send an email once every three months or something, right? You don't want to be too salesy, perhaps, if it's an estate planning and they're just not there yet. But I think really it comes down to them, like I said at the beginning, coming up with a procedure that works for themselves. Sometimes people are really busy and they don't really want to grow their practice that hard, so maybe you don't attack the sale too much and you basically only take the clients who want to come to you. But I think the biggest thing to focus on is building a workflow in place so your employees, if you have them, understand what to do and what the process looks like. Right. And, and what I think it's really interesting, like you made it very clear that this is, there is no single solution for this. It's dependent on your practice area. It's probably dependent on yeah, the age and sophistication of your clients. It's dependent on your geographical area. Some geos might, uh, some people in San Francisco might expect a different approach than somebody in Des Moines. Um, you know, who, like, and you have to, and the lawyer will know that. And then, so they should work to build procedures that match uh, what uh, what they're talking about. One thing that I wanted to follow up on with that was you were talking about the follow up for let's say estate planning would be would be long. The follow up for criminal would be short because the the shelf life go, goes down. 
But what happens when the client just make, makes a decision, like you shouldn't keep following up if they say, I'm not hiring you. Um, what, did, what, did, what can people do about that? What's a procedure that can recapture some of those leads? So I think, um, I think a lot of lawyers struggle with utilizing this in like most SaaS companies, like a software company like Lexicata or Clio or something like that, do a really good job of is content marketing. I think a, a lot of lawyers, you know, when I, when I talk about, you know, okay, when you build out your Lexicata account, you can build in some email marketing. And I get a very frequent response, which is, oh, I don't want to do marketing. I don't want to sound salesy. But there are ways to market still provide value to the client, enhance your brand and bring them back without being salesy, right? So for instance, someone comes to Lexicata, they're not ready to use intake just because maybe they have zero volume, they literally just started their practice. So what do we do? We're not gonna try to sell them on something that they're not gonna need right now because it's just a waste of time and we're gonna lose, they're gonna lose the relationship because they're gonna you know, look at us as just salespeople. So what we'll do instead is throw them into like a drip marketing campaign solely catered to content three mistakes that you're making in the intake process, five ways to grow your practice without spending more money, um, two things you should be doing in intake that you're not doing right now, those types of things. Because then when they look at it, they look at us more as consultants that really understand what their needs are. And not only that, but they look like we have their back. And so for you as a lawyer, as like an estate planning attorney, for example, you can send them something two months in that says like, you know, what the downfalls is of waiting too long to get your will, right? It's a little salesy, but it's more content. Or you might say like the, the you know, like a case study of a client who waited too long or something like that. So there are a million ways to so estate planning. Then you could go for criminal offense. Like what happens if you don't fire or hire a lawyer in the first 10 days after a DUI? It's no longer saying hire me. It's just saying hire a lawyer. And I just happen to be the one that you're talking to. So again, you can do a lot of content strategy. Um, and you know, I think that the, the key to this, and like it really shocked me when you were saying about the one lawyer who said, uh, you were saying one example of somebody who might not need um, as many cases because they're not trying to grow fast. They know, but leads cost money, right? Each one of these leads, you should, if you don't need as much as many new clients, get fewer leads, but maximize the ones you've got, right? Um, and choose choose to keep uh, keep the best ones. And uh, but, but if you don't have a system, I think is what, what I'm hearing you say, then you don't know what's happening to them at all. Yeah, and I think a lot of people look at, like a, a lot of people might be listening and saying this, oh, well, I don't buy leads online, so this isn't relevant to me. But your professional relationships and your personal relationships, whoever send you leads, if you do not give a 100% amazing experience to those people, even the ones that don't hire you, that affects your clout with those people. And you know what? Like, if I say, if I if if I send a lead to a, someone, like you know, for instance, I, this happened to me about six months ago. I sent a um, a business lead to someone who wanted to start a business to an attorney friend of mine, and basically I asked him. Two months later, I said, hey, whatever happened to that person? Be like, I don't know. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? It'd be like, did they not hire you? It's like, well, I sent them an email and I never heard back and I just never followed up. And I'm thinking in my head, okay, fine, maybe he wasn't that interested, but two, you clearly didn't, that didn't reflect that well on me because I basically sent someone who didn't really care about them in the first place and was just looking for a quick buck. So I think it's understanding that even if you're not buying leads online, Everything affects your clout in the industry, in your relationships, in your friendships, whatever it may be. And having a process not only hurts yourself, but it hurts the people who are referring things to you as well. Got it. So we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk to Michael Chasen about what to do, what to, do to mine the contacts and the leads and the people that you already have. And we'll be back in just a moment.
Ready to create and build your own solo or small firm practice? Need a nuts and bolts education on the 360 degree experience of starting a business? There's only one online destination dedicated to helping you achieve your goals. Solo Practice University, the only online educational and professional networking community dedicated to lawyers and law students who want to go into practice for themselves. More than 1,000 classes, 58 faculty and mentors. What are you waiting for? Check out solopracticeuniversity.com today. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One is available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 800-ANSWER-1 or visit them at answerone.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. So we're back with uh, Michael Chasen of Lexicata. We've been talking about how to maximize leads by having s- procedures and systems in place to make sure you're following up with them, make sure that you're capturing them, make sure you're maximizing the leads that come through the funnel uh, that you've created. We'll talk about a funnel in a minute. But what I wanted to do now is uh, shift our conversation a little bit and talk to Michael about the leads you already have. In other words, the people who know you, like you, and trust you already, who you have in your list, who you have as former clients, who you have as current clients, or you have as people that just know about your business. Michael, what are lawyers not doing about them? I think lawyers are not categorizing their leads. Um, not only their leads, but their professional relationships as well. I think uh, a lot of people, when they're coming in the door to Lexicata for the first time and they want to import their list of contacts, right? They usually have one of two things. They either have just like a, a Word document with a ton of names in it, which is about as worthless as it can get, or they have a spreadsheet that they've been keeping track of, which is the most common thing. I think that ABA study said something like 50% of people are not tracking leads at all, 25% are using Excel, and the other 25 are using some other, you know, you know, uh, you know, hodgepodge of different things. So for the people who are using Excel or just putting it down on paper, like Rolodex type of thing, business cards, they have no, they're doing, they're not doing two things. One, they're not tracking their relationship from the perspective of how do you know them? What have your interactions been and what has happened in the past? And two, they're not tagging them in any kind of data driven way, right? So, you know, legal trends report is all about data and how important that is. And I even wrote an article for the ABA about a year ago on how, on the number one thing that lawyers are not focusing on, which is data and how it can impact their, their practice. So what I mean by data is not necessarily like what percentage of leads are hiring me, even though those types of things are important. I'm talking about being able to tell a computer, filter my results, right? right? If you want to tell Google, like, filter my results based on, or like you go to Amazon, you're like, I want to find shelves. You can filter based on price. You can filter based on reviews, all that type of thing. Why? Because they've been categorizing every single like category. So what we allow you to do in our in Lexicata, and you can even do this in a spreadsheet, it doesn't matter, you don't have to be using our software, but what you can do is you can basically tag people. And what a tag is, is basically a label that you can apply to someone, almost like a characteristic. So for instance, I might say, um, you know, Christopher Anderson, he is a legal tech, might be a tag, or I might tag him as coach or consultant or something like that. Or I might 
take a lawyer and tag them with their practice areas. Because what can I do with that? Then I can filter based on practice areas or type of person. So when someone comes to my practice and says, hey, I want to be referred to a criminal defense attorney, I don't have to try to think off the top of my head, well, who do I know that's a criminal defense attorney? And then I look kind of like, you know, befuddled, like, oh, what, you don't know a criminal? I can search and I can look for the people who sent me leads and all that type of thing. Same thing with clients, right? When you're talking about leads, you can categorize people, right? So if like that person, let's go back to that example, that 25 a week lead person, they've got over the course of the year, they're getting like a thousand leads. Let's say they have a really slow month in the month of August because a lot of people don't do wills during the summer or whatever I think is, is what it is. Now, what do they do with that two weeks of kind of biz dev time that they have? Well, they can basically just throw a dart at the wall on their list of contacts and decide who to go after. Or they can, if they've been categorizing and tagging correctly, they can go after, for instance, if you tag people as hot lead or high value or VIP, you'll be able to filter down your list and say, show me all of the people who are currently leads, who are hot leads, who have been in the system for less than three months. So having that data is really important to be able to filter down and understand who the most important people are in your yeah, list. Because otherwise your choices are basically all none or random, right? But this gives you the ability to reach out and build an audience of people you actually want to reach. And then the second part is, like I was saying earlier, is really like tracking the relationship from a sense, like note taking, right? And again, you can do this in a spreadsheet if you really want. I don't condone it because most people leave spreadsheets to come to something like Lexicata or Clio. Um, but you got to be t keeping track of what you talked about, right? If you met a client this happens to us all the time. Someone comes to Lexicata, says, hey, I want to purchase your software. I'm a criminal defense attorney in Michigan with four employees and this, that, and the other. They're not ready to buy today. Nine months later, they call me back. Oh, hey, this is, you know, Max Schwartz. Oh, Max, what's up? I don't know who this person is. I don't remember them. I've had 800 leads between now. But I pull it up in my CRM and I see, oh, Max, like, how's everything in Michigan? It's been crazy humidity this summer. Oh, you remember? No, I don't remember, but they don't have to know that, right? So having that tracking of relationship. Oh, hey, how's your kid? They're probably, what, three now? Oh, yeah, great memory. My kid just turned three last week. You know, it kind of makes that relationship really fresh and makes those cold leads warmer leads after. Yeah, and one, one thing, I mean, I've tried it. Believe me, I've tried this in a spreadsheet. And what, what goes wrong for me in a spreadsheet is the spreadsheet's got one line per, per customer. Now, if I've talked to them five times, I can't keep five dates and five notes, right? And, uh, or I can, but it gets really, really messy. And that's where I think you know, it's a good CRM tool where you get that database uh, instead of a flat uh, spreadsheet um, format. And think about it from a collaborative standpoint too, right? Like a spreadsheet works if you're working as a solo by yourself, but if you're working as a solo by yourself, you probably have aspirations to hire a receptionist or an assistant. Once that happens, you might grow and now you need a second lawyer. And then what happens after that? Then you're like, okay, now I have eight people using a spreadsheet that can only be edited one at a time. And then it's like, how are they going to know it? You know, it's just, and then all it, it just, it just gets a mess. And most people come in with this crazy spreadsheet. They're like, can I import this? And you're like, yeah, but you're going to lose some data because you just haven't been doing it right from the start. All right. Well, so we're going to take another quick break here. When we come back, I want to talk with Michael about sequences, about how to use sequences to reach out to these targeted groups of clients that we just talked about, how you build, you, you grab a segment of the people you know, and then what do you do with them? We'll come back and we'll talk about that. Feel like your marketing efforts aren't getting you the high value cases your firm deserves? 
For over 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours attract new cases and grow their practices. As a Google Premier Partner and winner of Google's Platform Innovator Award, Scorpion has the right resources and technology to aggressively market your law firm and generate better cases from the internet. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast today. All right, we're back with Michael Chasen of Lexicata, and we've been talking about how to maximize leads, both new leads coming in and the leads that already exist in your business. And when, now I wanted to sort of wrap it up by talking with Michael about, all right, we've segmented them, we've marked them, we've tagged them, we have them in a database. Now, what do we do with them? And we were talk, I was suggesting that we talk about, you know, what, what is a sequence and how do you manage a funnel with your sequences? Yeah, so I think, um, so sequencing or like creating workflows or checklists for yourself, a lot of firms have like checklists on a piece of paper, at least in their head. I think before you talk about that, you have to talk about like establishing what a funnel is, right? So in most traditional industries, they call it like a marketing funnel or a sales funnel. Right, basically, obviously, most people know what a funnel looks like, right? Large, right, large uh, cylinder at the top that kind of you know funnels down into one single point, right? So, depending on what kind of practice you have, you want a really big funnel at the top or a smaller funnel, right? If you're an employment firm. There's a lot of crappy cases at the top of the funnel that you don't want entering, so maybe you siphon them off quickly versus criminal defense, you'll pretty much take most cases, right? So setting up this, like, what I call, like, the, the, the workflows or what your processes is, is almost like the plastic casing around the funnel, right? Where do you want it to look? Do you want it to, you know, push down? And what happens at each stage as they move down the funnel? So stage number one is typically going to be something like just gathering the very basic information, right? I just need to collect contact information and make sure I have something to follow up with, right? That's the first thing that anyone should do. Hi, what's your name? Max Schwartz. Okay, Max, what can I help you with? I need help with this. Okay, let me take down your email and your phone number just in case we get to t disconnected or, you know, whatever. And so now you have their contact information. Now they've entered the funnel. Now at that point, you can do a couple things, right? You can schedule a consultation. You can send them an intake form depending on what, how many people you want in the funnel. Um, but I think the, it goes back to that how extensive your funnel is really depends on that practice area driven, right? So that estate planning firm should have a really extensive funnel. And then also keeping in mind that there can be deviations from this funnel, like this decision tree, right? Do they hire? Do they not? If yes, then this. If no, then that, right? You're almost doing your own like version of like a coding, right? So figuring out that part. Now I think... But so basically what you're saying is like the funnel has some exit points which might enter a different funnel depending on what's exactly. happening. Exactly, right? So especially like in Lexicata, you can build like mini workflows. Like at stage one and two of the funnel, this is what my workflow looks like. And if they go to 2A, then I go 3A through 5A versus 3B through 5B if they go to A versus B on the funnel. So creating like those sequences, and most firms don't really think that through. Like what happens if they fall out at this part? Like what happens? Most staff members don't know those things. Um, so I think one of the big things that a lot of law firms can do to really maximize their conversion rate as people move through that funnel is email automation, kind of talking about sending them content and just keeping it in a loop. And this could be something really simple that you can set up with a click in Lexicata, or if you want to do like a mass email, or even if you want to do a manual follow-up, you can. Um, but just having that constant touch point throughout the process, I think is really important to keeping that relationship fresh and making them trust you and want to hire you long-term. Michael, I feel like we could go on for hours, but we can't because we're at the end of our time. And this wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Business Advisory Podcast. My guest today has been Michael Chasen. Now, Michael, people are going to want to know more. So can, they, can you give out some contact information, how they could reach out to you and learn more about this topic? 
Yeah, so you could just go, you know, obviously if you're interested in Lexicata, you can just go to lexicata.com. I'd strongly encourage, again, content-driven, right? I'd strongly encourage uh, everyone to go to blog.lexicata.com. We have really awesome content on there written by lawyers, like very curated content. That'll be really helpful to not only give you the basics, but you can get like more advanced as time goes on. Um, if they have any questions specifically for me, my email is just michael at lexicata.com. Pretty simple. I'm always happy to answer questions. Are you on Twitter as questions. well? I'm on Twitter. Um, Lexicata at Lexicata or uh, Michael E. Chasen. Fantastic. And this is Christopher Anderson. I look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build the law firm business that works for you. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu slash interactive or download PLI's mobile app.